Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. And I'm Aaron Klein. And I'm Ansel Birch, your host in post. And it's time to party! We are not doctors, we don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. Like with swords. This episode was recorded on February 13th, 2021. It's me hitting armor with a sword. I don't know. Invisible weaponry! We, we have a whole arsenal of, like, QQ weapons that don't actually make QQ noises. We have forced it to be so. <laughs> In time to party cannon, everything makes a QQ noise. Yes. <laughs> Chainmail, swords. We can make it all work. Yes. And a cello that makes a QQ noise. Yes. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the third installation of our series on Army of Darkness. Woo! This is our edutainment section where we have each picked something from this movie (laughs) and done a shallow dive into it. And we're going to take you along with us on our lazy river of edutainment. Yes. And I hope you're ready. I don't even know if I'm ready because, like, (laughs) this movie is so bonkers, so off the wall, Mm -hmm. batshit fucking crazy. That it's hard to pay to pay to any attention to anything that isn't ash blowing up skeletons. Yes, you know. <laughs> so that's the end game with this movie: is to blow up as many skeletons as possible. Yeah. Travel into the past, kill a bunch of skeletons. I had a real hard time picking a topic for edutainment this week. What were your choices? So my first instinct was a shotgun, but I already did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next instinct was artificial limbs, which you did already i already did yes oh man uh i i was thinking about book binding because like they said that the necronomicon is like bound in human skin a very common thing that used to happen actually it's really gross what Uh uh-huh yes i did not do book binding but i happen to know that that's like that is a thing that was done semi-regularly oh god skin binding like an animal hide was really common sure. and then like when you got an exclusively rare book like it could there are still books in libraries around the world that are bound in human skin like Ugh. absolutely still happen yep it's disgusting oh god it's very gross turns out skin if you take it off a human tans like any other animal <laughs> and you can use it for the same shit very gross okay anyway. <laughs> uh now we're getting into Texas chainsaw massacre type stuff and things that i know for who the fuck knows what reason (laughs) oh i got a ton of that so what did you wind up picking so i feel like this is a cop-out and i'm sorry if anyone is disappointed in this but i i took a shallow dive into what the necronomicon is oh that's a great idea yeah because like i wanted to know more about well initially i was looking into it as oh what is the prop the necronomicon you know like what went into making that and you know was looking into like movie history and stuff but then when i realized that the necronomicon wasn't an invention of sam raimi you know for you've never heard of the necronomicon (laughs) like i i don't know i thought maybe i don't watch enough horror movies i'm really surprised by that (laughs) yeah so it's i don't know you'd think i would know about this stuff because it's weird and nerdy and but there's a lot of holes in my nerddom you know that's i'm i'm really surprised by that all right i'm ready i only passingly know about the necronomicon is like a piece of you know cultural touch point 
Yes. Tell us more. All right. Originally, it was conceived by the horror writer H.P. Lovecraft. It was first introduced in the short story from 1924, The Hound, uh, which was written in 1922, which said that the author, uh, Abdul al Hazred was the keeper of this book uh, that was the Book of the Dead. A number of people have adopted the Necronomicon and its mythology to the point that they don't believe it when Lovecraft said that it's not real. There are Mm -hmm. apparently some people who would go into libraries and create like a card in the card catalog for the Necronomicon. Some smarter people, smarter, cleverer, I don't know, people who think they're funny say that it's checked out to an A. Al Hazred. And I think that's very funny. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, that's people who think they're very clever. <laughs> that's what that is. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, but the, the Book of the Dead concept didn't start with Lovecraft. There, That's something that's existed for a long time. Uh, some people argue that Lovecraft's version was derived from Nathaniel Hawthorne. Um, but, you know, there's... It's something that exists in, like, multiple cultures. Mm -hmm. But to specifically focus on the one in Evil Dead, uh, it's interesting that that specific one shows up in a number of places. Uh, For instance, uh, outside of the Evil Dead movies, it also shows up in Friday the 13th, uh, Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, uh, which uh, it, it kind of... Uh, alludes to the fact that that book brought Jason back to life. Um, it's shown up in the Marvel universe because um, there was a crossover with uh, the Marvel heroes, um, or well, the Marvel zombies and the Army of Darkness. Um, it also shows up in Pumpkinhead Two: Blood Wings. Um, let's see, the 1991 film Cast a Deadly Spell. Uh, some video games uh and though it's not referred to by name uh stephen king talks about it in the uh 1987 novel the eyes of the dragon so this necronomicon from army of darkness has kind of like expanded to exist in a number of universes even though lovecraft tried to say again and again hey this isn't a real thing uh, people made it into it. Yeah, thing. yeah. The Necronomicon is also not by that name known, but like that's the book that uh, Winifred has in Hocus Pocus. Yep. Is the the same Book of the Dead. It's that look of it too, of being bound in human skin, of having to the appearance of having a face. Uh, when I went to watch this movie, I was like, I have this on DVD, so I'm going to watch Army of Darkness that way. Can't find my copy of Evil Dead 1 or my copy of Army of Darkness. No fucking clue where they are. But I still have my special edition copy of evil dead 2 because it's bound in rubber and it's made to look like the necronomicon so i have this like prop from the movie also that they released in this like special edition and it's the only one i've been able to hold on to because it's fucking cool and so i always know where it is that is really cool i love it when uh when they do that with special packaging for home releases Mm -hmm. i have yeah a copy of iron man that is that comes in a case that looks like his helmet and the visor like oh, cool. rises up to show where the discs are. Cool. Yeah. My fascination with the Necronomicon book itself kind of stemmed from WandaVision. Because, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it yet, 
Uh, also, if you're a big Marvel fan, you really should watch it. Um, but uh, Agatha Harkness introduces the Darkhold into the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe proper. Uh, but that's something that's shown up in a number of Marvel television studios uh, shows. So it was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was in Cloak and Dagger, I believe. It was in The Runaways. Uh, but like the book looks different. But it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure there's multiple versions, you know, like there's a couple yeah. different editions of this book, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, in evil in Army of Darkness, there are three editions of the book that he has right. to like choose from, too. That's kind of the idea of it is that only one is the true one. But like, is it truly the true one? Or is it the words that make it the true one? Like, that's, that's all Necronomicon apocrypha right. that I don't have answers for. Yeah, but apparently there's a ton of like occultists and stuff who like, study this exhaustively Mm -hmm. they they fucking believe that it's real i mean it's one of those things where when it becomes a cultural phenomenon all over the world at the same time there is a reason like that it's part of groupthink. it's the same thing as like everyone independently comes up with the idea of dragons everyone independently comes up with the idea of mermaids everyone independently comes up with the idea of a book that can raise us from the dead it's just like a human condition thing yep Eh. Everyone uh, comes up independently of thinking that Sinbad was in a genie movie. (laughs) (laughs) The Mandela effect. (laughs) That's what it's called. I was talking about this with Warwick and I couldn't think of what it was called. And it's the Mandela effect. Yes, I know that because there is an episode of the X-Files where they talk about it exhaustively. (laughs) And there's somebody who keeps referring to it as the Mengele effect. (laughs) And like the idea is that he's experiencing the Mandela effect, but he thinks it's called the the Mengele effect. It's uh, (laughs) a... called the lost edit of the the lost art of the forehead sweat it's from season 11 of the x-files it's fucking great it's one of my favorite episodes oh the x-files you mean that show that you talk about on your other podcast oh my other podcast x-tracks a show where we introduce each other to our fandoms one episode at a time star trek the original series and x-files uh <laughs> me and stall cheeks yes that uh, that uh podcast shameless plug <laughs> shameless plug ah uh, so yeah um the ne- necronomicon is really interesting uh, I'm glad that I haven't fucked up the pronunciation of it while recording this, because uh, off you've done an excellent yeah, job. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it was hard. <laughs> uh, I don't know why it gave me so much difficulty talking about this fucking book when the microphone wasn't on, but you know it happened last night. So. <laughs> well, that was great. Necronomic the Necronomicon is super interesting. I'm really surprised you've never you've never read H.P. Lovecraft, no. right? I mean don't don't <laughs> it's no you shouldn't it's hb lovecraft the stories are very interesting but he's fucking racist mm. he's super super racist on like an astounding level so like don't don't read it you should read like interpretations of lovecraft stories definitely because the concepts are super interesting like that's where we get chatulu don't add us she got pretty close that's where like a ton of our like science fiction roots are from hp lovecraft but like he's a horrifying racist so it's not something i would recommend to a lot of people but the concepts have become such a huge part of our cultural touch points that it's like you can find these done better elsewhere now without the horrifying racism yeah you know like i had associated his work with just regular horror and then you know the flat uh, the horrific racism made it worse but also whenever i hear the name hp lovecraft i mistakenly think of hr puff and stuff which is vastly different oh. <laughs> and not the same. Well, it's very different. It's not the same at all. 
Do you think kids know who HR yeah, Puffin stuff is these days? They probably don't, right? No, absolutely not. No, if I asked my two youngest sisters who HR Puffin stuff is, they'd be like, who the fuck is, literally, who the fuck is that? They barely know who Madonna is. Oh, <laughs> like, man. They don't know who that is. Uh, uh, Warwick and I were wa- re-watching Infinity War last night, and when Peter says, oh, you know that really old movie, uh, Predators? And we just looked at each other and we're like, fuck. Oh, yeah, dude, we're old. <laughs> I'm like, Almost middle-aged. <laughs> wild. So wild. Although by the time we get to be old, people will live to, live to like 130. Yeah. Because that's how technology works and no one wants to die. LOL, Necronomicon. Yeah, right? Uh, apparently one <laughs> of the old, uh, not not one of the old, but like one of the former like ink and paint girls from uh, the Disney Studios is still alive at 109. As of that defunct land video that I watched. Dude, that's like common now. People live to like 115, 116. Like that's not that weird anymore, which is fucking wild. The shit that she must have seen. The shit that we've seen. By the time we're 130, people are going to be like, oh man, they lived through 2020. Wild. If anyone like stumbles upon the random like records and stuff that I keep of like stuff. And it's just like this kid watched how many movies? in 2020 dude for real <laughs> for real that's why i keep records of all the books that i read so i can give it to someone someday and they can be like oh, what the fuck? <laughs> why so while we try all to right. forget about that uh where's your lazy yes. river taking us down my lizzie lizzie my lizzie <laughs> my lizzie river my lazy river of edutainment today is taking us back all right so <laughs> I also have a small list of, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to yeah. talk about. Uh, my short list included prosthetic hands also, which then I realized, oh, fuck, I already did that. I'm glad I keep everything. I keep all of my notes in one yep. notebook because many times now I've had to be like, did I already do this? And I have to like go backwards and like check my notes. It's like, oh, thank God I already checked. So prosthetic hands, I was considering that. I thought about doing catapults, which I think would be really interesting. I thought about doing chainsaws. But ultimately, I landed on chain mail oh. because there's a ton of people wearing chain mail in this. Mm-hmm. And like at one point, it's they Sheila is like, I made this garment for you that he like wears underneath of the chain mail, which was very sweet. Also, yes. I, I must say for like a such a shitty sardonic asshole most of the time, it is very sweet that Ash does accept this gift and like does wear it like that. That's I was impressed. I was like, OK, Ash. All right. I see you. So. Chainmail. First and foremost, is chainmail effective? I you look at chainmail now as a person in the 21st century and you're like, the fuck? How does this even work? Why is this effective? In fact, it's extremely effective. It's basically impenetrable to medieval type weapons. So the the way that it protects you is that it glances slicing motions off of you, and so your skin isn't taking any of the damage from like a broadsword or even like an arrow being shot at you. If it hits you in the right direction, it just skids off of the chainmail. So that's why it works. So chainmail is still used today. It's not something that like totally went away. We use chainmail today for butcher's gloves, like a kitchen glove or a knife glove, which makes sense. It's that same kind of thing. You, If you're slicing or you're slashing at something and you have a chainmail glove on with a knife, it just glances it off of you so you're not hurt. People who work in woodworking still wear chainmail. And also, 
weirdly, this feels super counterintuitive to me, but chainmail's also used to make shark-proof diving suits, which makes sense because really they're just tiny knives that are inside of a shark, and so they like glance off of you if they're just like taking a that's the whole deal with sharks, just as like a total aside that I happen to know this. Sharks only bite you because they they don't smell the same way. And so they taste to see if you're food. And so a lot of times a shark will just like take a bite and be like, food? No, not food. Not interested in this. And so if you're wearing some kind of like shark resistant diving suit, they, they'll take a bite and it won't actually hurt you. So again, it feels weird that you're like, put on my chain mail and get into the ocean. But like the technology of it makes a lot of sense. I'm just thinking of a baby shark like swimming up and nomming on you for a minute. Food? Not food. Mm-hmm. Not food. <laughs> That's the whole deal with surfboards. That's why they, they'll like bite a surfboard because they think it's a seal. And then it's like, oh, this actually isn't food. This is a material plus food. <laughs> but then they'll often flee. Anyway, not talking about sharks. We're talking about <laughs> chainmail. <laughs> so chainmail is, for those of you who don't actually know and have only ever seen it and been like, what the hell is this shiny, weird blanket that they're wearing? Chainmail is a type of art that's made from small metal rings that are linked together in a pattern that form a mesh. So chainmail is... It's now called chainmail. That's what I'm just going to refer to it as. But it was originally just called mail. And the chain is them being linked together. So this type of armor was just originally called mail. But like, that's really confusing now in like modern times where we have mail, like the post mail. So chainmail has just colloquially become known as this. But there, every piece of chainmail or of mail has a specific name and a specific function. And so the most common type and the stuff that we see in Army of Darkness the most are shirts made out of chainmail, and they're called Huberks or Byronies, B-Y-R-N-I-E. I was like, I can't pronounce this word. Again, don't at us. She got really close. And they're more like a tunic. So they come, they're like three-quarter length. They come down far enough that they like protect your elbows and your joints, but they give you enough that you can like still swing and use a sword. And they come down further on your body than a normal shirt does like a tunic does where it comes down to like mid thigh and then they're split in the front so that you can like go to the bathroom if you need to at some point have your tunic of chain mail and you're like pissing in the woods or whatever they're they thought ahead with that at least i guess so these were super common the first surviving chain mail dates back to third century bc and was found in slovakia and again that's just the first one that survived like it clearly existed and the technology was being used up until this point that it's become pre- prevalent enough that it was like found in an archaeological dig. So that it's important to keep that in mind that that was just the first surviving one. And it was used all the way from 3rd century BC into well into the ADs into the 16th and 17th century when the only reason that chainmail really stopped being used is because the plate technology for plate armor like king arthur knights of the round table type armor that we normally would think of started to become more prevalent and the reason that happened is because fire powder also start like fire powdered weapons started to become more prevalent and that is yes she does mean gunpowder that shit will fuck up chainmail <laughs> like chainmail here's a hilarious and horrifying fact chainmail was originally used in the late 19th and early 20th centuries as a bulletproof vest <laughs> which is not effective (laughs) it is not not a thing that actually works and in fact makes it much worse because when a bullet glances off of the chainmail or like will shatter against it a projectile uh fire will it dents the chainmail into your skin and so it actually makes the injury even worse because you're getting like the explosions of the shrapnel of the bullet that go through the holes in the armor and then it presses the metal of the chainmail 
into your newly burned flesh and makes it much worse. Nope. So not surprisingly, they stopped using chainmail as bulletproof vests fairly quickly. But it was something that they tried to do for a while. Like, again, it was the end of the 19th and beginning of the 20th century. So there's at least some overlap there. There are four things that contribute to how well chainmail works. There's four different characteristics. Linkage type, either a riveted, a butted, or a welded piece of material as they're put together. So, like, obviously, if you make them stronger and the chains don't break apart as easier, that makes the chainmail more effective. So that's part of the linkage and the types that you use. The material that you use, it's usually either made out of iron, bronze, or steel. And obviously, the higher grade the metal is, the easier it is for the blades to, like, slide off of it and the more effective it makes that type of chainmail. Weave density... The tighter the rings are bound together, the better it is because you need a thinner weapon to, to go through the links in the chainmail. That's obviously what happens with projectiles and bullets later. And then the ring thickness, they're either 18 to 14 gauge. And obviously the thicker it is, the harder it is to get things inside when you're trying to like stab somebody or slice at them. So the thing about chainmail also to remember is that it is one of those things that like the Necronomicon... It just appears like it started in Slovakia. That's the first one that, as I mentioned earlier, but then it just spreads everywhere. Like basically everyone starts using it. As soon as it's discovered, people are like, well, this is again, it's basically impenetrable. It makes you able to fight longer and harder because you can go directly into battle and not worry about being dismembered immediately. And so it was used really, uh, it starts to spread into the West and it became the main form of armor in the West. And in the East, they started using it in like Japan and China and in the West Indies, but they already had such better armor that like it, it became like a, uh, a supplemental type of armor that they used with like the scale armor that you often see in like old school Asian imagery of like Asians at war. I don't like know a better term for that. Uh, and so I found it really interesting, too, that, like, while it did spread and become prevalent everywhere, it's interesting that in the West they became so reliant on it, while, whereas in the East they were like, well, we were already smarter than you, and so we're just kind of going to, like, bundle it all together here and make use of this. And in the East they continued to use it in their armor longer than they did in the West because, uh, again, their armor was already better, and so they didn't need to make the same kind of adjustments until it became like, oh, I'm going to shoot you with a gun. Like, obviously you have to, like, change the way that you do armor and protection once it comes to that. But like chainmail again, is still something that we use to this day. It's a technology that has existed fucking forever, basically. And it's because it's when you get it right, you get it right. And like the better you can make this material and the four different characteristics, the linkage material, weave density and ring thickness, like that shit will last forever and you can continue to use it forever. And it's something that can, you can go into battle and be fairly confident that you'll be better off than you would be. You could be 100% confident that you'd be better off than without it. But like, it will protect you in a way that, again, in the, in the 21st century, you look at it and think like, what is this? This is like, obviously I could stab this person or I could blow you up or whatever. But like, it is really effective. And like, that's why we continue to use it too. So there you go. Chainmail. So what you're saying is that Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner got it right by continuing yes. to use chainmail. Fuck yeah, dude. Like... Anyone could come at him with a knife and <laughs> not going to make a, a stabbing joke because that's actually something that happens in wrestling yeah, a lot. That's but, like, true. but like, honestly, he like 
it looks cool. It's there are very chainmail's fucking cool. Like there's it's undeniably a super cool visual. And also like it does really protect you. So yeah, he got it. <laughs> Big Papa. Repping that <laughs> repping the chainmail. <laughs> uh, hilarious. Do you own any chainmail? Have you have you sought out some chainmail after this? Uh we we do have some chainmail. We own a, a kitchen glove that is made out of chainmail. Uh, and I worked at Chipotle for a long time, and they require you to have a chainmail glove when you're using the knives. So I'm really familiar with chainmail, actually. I should get one of those because somehow I managed to like get cuts and stuff when I'm doing dishes. So yeah, effective. I... You've got start sharp stuff around you. Chainmail will protect you. I'm just picturing my stupid self wearing like a chainmail shirt while using <laughs> knives and it's like no not that <laughs> <laughs> just get like elbow length chainmail gloves and you're like i'm protected <laughs> <laughs> oh that's really interesting i didn't realize that chainmail was still in use today you know mm-hmm. i know i was kind of surprised by that too even though i own chainmail it's like oh duh <laughs> this is clearly this exact same shit it's not like it's different in any way it's just made of higher quality material ah uh, chainmail Remember Coaching. Renaissance fairs? Yes, I do. <laughs> <sighs> I'm just going to sigh wistfully. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, Renaissance fairs have come back and we can like have normal lives again. Well, yes and no. Thank you everyone for joining us on this lazy river of entertainment. I hope that you found the Necronomicon or Chainmail or both, hopefully both, interesting. This is... Again, my favorite episode that we do because I think it's super fun to learn about weird shit. It's I neat. I hope you do too. It's neat. <laughs> Again, it's I, I'm i just Marge Simpson holding things up going, I just think it's neat. <laughs> and this is a Necronomicon and a piece of chain mail. Oh, I just think it's neat. <laughs> uh, Used in tandem. They're very, uh, they're very useful. That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> it Basically impenetrable. <laughs> and you can come back from the dead. Uh, Just gotta make sure you say the words right. Right. Ash, you idiot. Ash, you idiot. <laughs> Until next time, everybody, you can find us on the internet. I'm at NYD Urgency on Instagram. I am at BSilverio20 on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Indecisionist on Twitter and The Indecisionist on Instagram. Special thanks to Marlon Longit of Marlon and the Shakes for our theme song and to April Moralba for our podcast art. You can interact with us using the hashtag time to party. That's time the number two party. This has been an Indecisionist production. Yeah, and join us next time where we'll be talking about a different piece of time travel media. Who knows what it'll be next time? I mean, we know. We probably know. But we know. But you don't know, party people. I can't help myself. It's Back to the Future 3! Yeah, until then, be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Yeah! Every time! Bye, everybody! Bye! Bye. Bye.